Eve, and I am so thankful you decided to join us for worship today. If you're a guest, we are so glad you're here. On the back of the pew in front of you, there is a blue card. If you could write down some basic information on that card so that we could thank you for coming, that would be great. On that card, there's a spot to put prayer requests. Anyone can write a request on there, and when the offering plate passes here in a bit, drop those cards in there, and they will get to the staff. Before we get to the announcements, we want to take a second to show you some of the recent graduates from Tennessee Tech. If you have graduated recently, we just want to say congratulations. You're done. And we are thankful for the work God has done in your life. Good morning, NBC. My name is Isaac Reff, and I recently graduated from Tennessee Tech with a Bachelor's of Science in Chemical Engineering. My plans for the next few months are to hopefully find a job somewhere here in Cookville. So if you're hiring or anyone you know is hiring, please do not hesitate to hit me up. Um, I would love to work somewhere. Um, I've been a part of this church for the past four years, and really I just wanted to say thank you for the love and support I've had while here, especially this semester, um, where I was in a pretty serious accident a couple months ago and at Vanderbilt for almost two weeks. I just want to say thank you for the many prayers and the home-cooked meals and people coming to visit me. I've never really been part of a church family quite like this, so thank you. I'm Jack Eel. I'm graduating with a degree in civil engineering, and I got a job in Nashville as a transportation design engineer. First Baptist, thank you so much for pouring your lives into mine. Hey, FBC. My name's Seth Webb. I just graduated from Tech with my bachelor's in business administration, and I will be attending the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in the fall. Uh, I would like to thank you all for all the pouring in that you've done to me and really just being a great church home and great church family. Thanks, God. My first announcement is about the Christmas Eve service. We'll be having our annual candlelight service. The service times will be at 4 p.m. and at 5 p.m. This is a great opportunity to come worship with your friends and family as we celebrate Christ's birth. Child care will be provided at both times. We hope to see you there. As part of the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, our annual Lottie Moon Post Office is open in the central lobby outside of the sanctuary. If you would like to send your Christmas cards to church members through the Lottie Moon Post Office, that would be a great way to support the International Mission Board. There is a recommended 25 cent donation per card. You only have two more Sundays to do this, so make sure and get those cards delivered. This month, our Pray, Give, Go emphasis is the International Mission Board, also known as the IMB. The IMB is a missions organization that is run through the Southern Baptist Convention. They work to spread the gospel around the world through the planting of churches in all areas. Each year, we take part in the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and everything collected will go to missionaries on the field right now. Our goal as a church is to raise $61,930, which is the cost for one missionary to be on the field for one year. Those are the announcements I have for today. Make sure and look at the Chronicles for other opportunities to see what's going on here at First Baptist. I'm so thankful to be worshiping with you today, and I pray that this service will encourage you and challenge you to live more for Christ in your day-to-day life. Well, good morning. So good to see you. Merry Christmas. That's great. It's so good to see you this morning as we come together for worship. It's going to be a great day. It's a great time of year as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
We are glad you're here, and uh, as uh, Dylan said on the video, if you uh, are a guest with us this morning or you haven't been here in a long time, would you please fill out that blue card that's on the pew rack there in front of you? And at the end of the service, uh, when we take up our offering, would you just place that in the offering plate? We would love to have a record of your visit, or if you have a prayer request, please uh, write that down, and your pastors will be praying for you. We are glad you're here this morning. We're going to stand right now and greet each other in the name of the Lord. If you would, make your way back to your seats and have a seat. We're going to be celebrating our fourth Sunday in Advent today um, with our newest staff member family. Here is the Rinky family. Good morning, church. Um, so my name is Philip Rinky. This is Jenny and my wife, Lauren, and uh, our son, Logan, is over in the nursery. Um, that way it'll be a little quieter in here. He won't cry as much. Uh, but this is our fourth week of Advent. Um, today we're going to light the candle of peace. Uh, and we know that, that Jesus, who is the, the Prince of Peace, is the only one who can give us true peace. Uh, Philippians 4, Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We were asked to give our personal testimony for this piece, and our most recent and best example that I could come up with was our transition to our new home and our new church home. And there's a lot of anxiety that comes into moving out of state, especially with two little ones. Maybe you've experienced that anxiety, or with getting a new job, or finals week, or just making new friends at school, or maybe of anxiety seeing your families come in for the holidays and stress that comes to just host them or praying over their families that they're doing well. So there's a wonderful thing that happens though when Jesus is the Lord of your life and that he takes away the burden of that anxiety and gives us the peace that only he can provide. So Philip's going to pray for us. All right, join me in prayer. God, we thank you for, for who you are. Lord, we thank you just for the season that we can we can come together, God, as a church, as a, as a family of believers. God, we ask that you give us the peace that transcends everything in our lives. God, we ask that you to be with us right now and be with, be with us in this season. Um, God, help us to, uh, to have our hearts and minds open to hear the message that this morning. God, we ask all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.
right, there we go. The mute buttons work wonders. So would you stand up for us this morning? We're going to continue on in worship as we sing. This has been a challenging morning with some of our screens not working and are working. They're working now, but I'm going to tell you now, just in case it goes blank, this is hymn number 87 in your hymnal if you want to follow along there, too. Um, we'll be singing the first, second, and fourth stanzas of Joy to the World, the Lord has come. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, and sing. so good but the next hymn is number 86 in your hymn if you want to fall there i got to give it to you just in case it should go out uh, but it's a way in a manger as we reflect on the joy that came to this this earth um it all started in a manger so let's sing about this oh hang on i just told you the wrong one didn't i Flip back, flip back. Oh, that's a lot quicker than what I was going to do. It's a little town of Bethlehem, all right? We'll get to Wayne Manger in just a moment, but a little town of Bethlehem where it all began, that little small town uh, over yonder somewhere. I'm going to shut up so we can sing, all right?
that so long ago you did come to a little town called Bethlehem. And Lord, what a sight that would have been to have been there to hear the great glad tidings of the Christmas angels as they proclaimed your birth. Uh, and to be able to have, to have been there with the shepherds, to have run and to have seen you uh, and to have seen uh, God on earth here dwelling among us. Lord, it's such a joy to know that we have uh, that part of our history uh, in you and that we're not left alone to wander in a world uh, with idols and statues and, and other things that we try to fill our lives with, but we have you that we can fill our lives with. And Lord, I pray that as we continue on this service, as we go through this Christmas season, Lord, that we would realize that the true gift of Christmas is, is eternal life with you uh, and just that relationship that we can share. So, Lord, as we continue on with Away in a Manger, uh, Lord, may we still reflect on that silent night, that, uh, that night in Bethlehem when there was a lot going on and many people missed your birth, uh, Lord, that we can look back uh, and, just, and just see it through the eyes of the shepherds, uh, two years later through the eyes of the kings, uh, Lord, just to see God with us. What a joy that is. Lord, be with us as we sing. In Jesus' name, amen. Away in a Manger. Father, we thank you so much um, that, Lord, all we have to do is ask, and you are there to stay with us. Lord, just as that verse says, uh, that you will be near to us if we ask, and you'll be close by us forever if we just pray and express our love and our devotion 
uh, to you, admit that we're sinners. God, you forgive us of our sins, and you're with us for a whole lifetime, really for all of eternity. Uh, and Lord, if there's someone here today that has never known that joy, may they find that joy of Christmas in knowing you, meeting you for the first time. Uh, so Lord, as we continue on with the choir sings and Scott comes to preach, Lord, speak to our hearts, move among us, change us as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
Well, thank you, choir. Hallelujah. We have a risen Savior. Amen. And he will reign forever. Turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4 will be our text for today. Over the last several weeks, we've been asking some questions about Christmas. Maybe you've asked questions about Christmas in the past, but the questions we've been asking have been uh, around the Christmas story, uh, the why. Why would, why would God enter into humanity in the specific way that he did? Uh, you or I might write the story differently if it were left to us to pin how this would occur. We have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Creator of all the universe. Everything that ever has been or ever will be has been in the hands of the Creator, God. God created all things. Out of absolutely nothing, He brought forth everything. So we think of this God who is capable of creating the universes and everything that we, we see, uh, all that He can create beyond our imagination, beyond what we've seen, we see what He's created. But what we see is a Creator who steps into the crown of His creation, humanity. And, and we have to ask, you know, why, why, would he, why would he come in the way he came? And, and as we ask that question, we discovered through uh, Joseph, why, why him? Why this guy, Joseph? Out of all the men that were available at that time, why Joseph? Was there something specific about Joseph that uh, God would use a man like Joseph, this man who was a carpenter, who put his hands to wood and stone, and, and he, he made things. He was, a, he was a very physical, literal guy, we would perceive, and very common and ordinary. He lived in Galilee, and the book of John even states what, what good can come out of Galilee. So we've got to recognize it's just an ordinary man uh, in, in Galilee, and, and he's got an ordinary job. He's a craftsman with his hands, and... He is uh, brought into a knowledge that his life would change, that God would use him in a very specific way, and he found that out through a dream. So we've got a very physical, literal man who becomes a, a, a man of dream and destiny, uh, unlike you know, probably he ever anticipated. He had his plan for his life, but God had a different plan for his life. And then we see that uh, there's this lady named Mary, young girl. Uh, Mary and and uh, we, we say why Mary out of all the ladies in in the world at that time why Mary uh, a, a young girl engaged to to be married to Joseph legally bound and contractually engaged uh, to be married it just doesn't maybe make sense in your mind that she would be with child but all of Scripture has led up to this and said that the child would come from a virgin. Virgin Mary would, uh, would be the one that brings forth this holy child. And, uh, but Mary was just an ordinary girl. Uh, she had a plan for her life. But when the angel came and saw her and said, you'll be with child, she asked a simple question, how can this be? She had never been with a man. She asked a, a real question, how can this be? Because I'm a virgin. And he told her that she would be with child from the Holy Spirit. And she stated in response, may this happen as you have stated. So we see that she is a, she's receiving, she's obedient to the call of God on her life. Very, very normal girl in life and very normal guy in life, but very obedient in their response to God intervening in their life. 
And then we see this town. We looked at why here. So we, why him? Why her? Why here? Why, why, Bethlehem, why Bethlehem? Out of all the places in the world for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to enter, you know, not the biggest town, just a small little quaint town called Bethlehem. And uh, Jesus, King Jesus, would not be laid in a palace would not be laid in a, in a home like mine or yours or anything, even anywhere near that, but in a manger. God, the Creator, who created all things, and all things are at His disposal, chose to enter into humanity, King Jesus, in a feeding trough. And we, why? I mean, God, why? Why these ways? And, and what God has spoken in my heart as I've reviewed this and thought through this, and, and I believe He spoke through the messages that we've, we've walked through in the last couple of weeks, that the reason is He used ordinary people, He used an ordinary place, and a, a place that's really beyond our imagination, a manger, because there is a lot of ordinary people. There are a lot of ordinary people in this world. There's, there's not many of you who are extraordinary, though you know who you are. The rest of us recognize we're ordinary. And, and God came for ordinary people like me and like you. And, and he, he found a way into humanity through a manger, a feeding trough, a, a place that you would see as dirty and not necessarily a place fit for a king. Um, our hearts are dirty, and we may see it as a place not fit for a king. But King Jesus stated to all of us, just as we're sitting here this morning thinking towards Christmas, King Jesus stated to all of us, there's none of you who are so simple, so ordinary, so dirty, or so despicable that I can't make a difference in your life. He came for all of us. He came in a way that speaks to all of our hearts. And, and we, we asked the question, I ran out of H's, I had why him, why her, why here, I, I, I didn't really have another H. Maybe I could have said why this time in history, but I just said why now? Uh, why, why now? Why did he come in the time that he came? And Galatians chapter 4 presents to us why God came, why, did he, why he entered at the specific time in history that he did. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians 4 with me. If you will stand with me, let's read beginning in verse 4 and see what the Apostle Paul has to say about the timing of the entry point of the king. He says in verse 4, but when the fullness of time came, I just want to grasp that, when the fullness of time came. God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth his, the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you, God, that we can gather before you this morning and, uh, Lord, we can, we can lay our hearts before you knowing, God, that you desire to do a work in us. I pray, Father, that uh, we will leave this time with a greater understanding of your love for us, a, a greater depth in our relationship with you, and, Father, surrender uh, would be what we're about, surrendering our life fully to you so that you can guide us. You're a faithful God. And, uh, Lord, I, I pray that you will move through our lives today. Lord, quite possibly um, among us today, uh, sitting in this room, 
are many people who have been caught in religion and just really don't have a relationship with you. Uh, We know a lot about you, but don't know you. So, Father, I pray that for those who do not have a relationship with you and who have not surrendered their life to you, today would be a day of change and transformation, that this Christmas would be the most amazing Christmas they've ever had because they would know Christ of Christmas, you, Lord, and that we would have you fully in our hearts. Lord Jesus, knowing you have appointed this time for us today to gather and to study your word and to praise you and exalt your name, I pray, Father, you would anoint me with the words of truth to speak into the hearts of those that you love so dearly and long to draw to yourself. Move in our lives, we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. So we see in Galatians chapter 4, Paul says, But when the fullness of time came, the time was right for Christ to come. It was, it was a rich time. It was an appropriate time. Everything was, was right for Christ to come. Christ came to Bethlehem, not by accident in that timing, but by appointment. It was, a, it was an appointed time for Christ to be there. It was, it was time for him to come. So we look at the why now, and, and we may not be able to fully in, in our minds grasp the why now, why that moment in time, why in history and all of the, the known history of this world, why, why then, why that precise moment. But we know, we know for certain that it was in the appropriate time that God came, that, that he had everything set. And I want to talk about that. I, I want to kind of illustrate that a little bit. I know as I have walked with God personally in my life now for 16 years, I know that God is an on-time God. And I hope you here today have experienced that relationship with God in such a way that you personally have walked with him and you have seen the timing of God. You've seen it work out in your life. Now, I'm, I am like many of you in the room, too. I'm kind of impatient. Uh, I like things to happen on my timetable. Anybody here agree? I like things to happen. When I want it, I want it. And, you know, I, I ask God for it, and I kind of expect it to happen. And, you know, I've kind of got my life figured out, and I want God to work within my timetables. I've found out God does not always work within my timetables. Uh, God has a timing, and His timing is impeccable and perfect. My timing's not always perfect, but his is. I know through just relationship, walking with God, and, and you, many of you in this room can relate, you know that God works out things in the most appropriate, the best time, the right time for you in your life. And we don't always see that when we're walking in it, but looking back, we see, oh God, you're an on-time God. And I think of so many illustrations that I could just throw out to you right now of my journey with Christ over the last 16 years. But i got to tell you one that just shows that God is an on-time God. And not always are we willing to sit with his timetable or are we responsive to his timetable. I was, I was in, uh, at, at my home and Krista and I had, for years, we had thought about a home together. Uh, we had built a home together and we had put our hands to that home we had designed it from the from a sheet of paper, both of us being engineers with a background. We drew out our home. We, we designed what it was supposed to look like. We, we positioned it exactly where we wanted on this piece of land, and, and we went to it. We, we built, along with builders, we helped. We helped build this house. We, we put our heart and our soul in this home, and, and it was our home. And really and truly, that's something that's near to somebody. When you have a home, when you, when you take part in that home, you invest your life in that home. And... 
it was important to us. At, at the, during that journey, though, after we built the home, we were living life together, uh, God called me in the ministry. And I, I was in business prior to that. And, and, and when God called me in the ministry, uh, I, I talked to my wife about it. She said, your call in ministry is a call for me as well. We're in this together. This is not a you call. It's an us call. I asked her that question. She agreed. And we agreed that God would use us. We knew God would place us in a church at some point in time. And um, we were kind of in our mind preparing for that, what that would look like. So I was laying in bed one morning. It was a bright Saturday morning, early in the morning. The sun had come up, and, and we were just enjoying a Saturday morning together. I, I'm pretty sure Taylor was in the room at the time. And uh, we, we were there just laying in bed, just having an early Saturday morning. And God spoke in my heart just as clearly as I'm sitting here hearing myself speak right now. I heard God speak in my heart, and he said these words. He said, tell your wife that we're going to sell the house. And I was like, my God, you know, that's one of the things I just can't build. I can't just throw it out. I kind of need to build up to that. She's not ready. So give me a little bit of time. Let me work on this. I'll get her, I'll get her ready. I'll prepare her for this. I mean, she's gone through a lot of news here in the last little bit. I've, I've given my life to Jesus. I, I'm now going to go pastor a church. I know your call for me, but this woman's got to warm up to this just a bit. So give me a little bit of time. I, I'm like, I know best. You know what I mean? So we're laying there and I'm, I'm like dealing with God on this. And my wife rolls over and looks at me and said, God told me to sell the house. I was like, snap, I just missed my opportunity to be a leader. <laughs> you know, God's timing was impeccable, and, and God was desiring for me to share that with my wife. But since I was resistant, God showed me, I'll get my point across, and I'll get the purpose done. And she'll tell you. <laughs> so he showed me that when he says do something, I need to do it. His timing is good and right, and, and it was the right time. She was prepared in her heart because God had been working in her heart. God works in perfect timing, ladies and gentlemen. He is an on-time God. And as we look back through history, we see that God was an on-time God. And you say, well, how do you see that? Well, we've got him, Joseph, we've got her, we've got Mary, we've got Bethlehem, and we've got this time in history. And, and I want you to understand that there were a lot of things that were going on by God's design to protect, prepare the time for his entryway. There was a, an empire, the Roman Empire, and it was a massive empire, and it had, it had established a whole lot of rule and reign. And, and in that time of, of its rule and reign, they had built an, a road system that connected community to community. It was called the Roman Road. And because there was a Roman road in this time period that was completed, the, the passageway from place to place was becoming much more easy. And not only was there a road system that people could travel down and get from place to place, which they had not had that ease in the past, the Roman government had put guards to protect travelers and, and give people safe passage from community to community. So now it was safe to go from place to place. So people freely traveled through the Roman Empire. And that time of peace was known as the Pax Romana. So there was a peaceful time in Rome, in the Roman Empire at that time. So we've got a, a good system of travel. We've got a, a peaceful time in history. And we've got a language that because the, the peaceful time and the easy of, ease of passage is, is occurring, there was a language called the, the, the Greek language that was known throughout the empire. So people who had been of different home dialects and different languages now understood this, this, this uh, Greek language and they were more free to communicate to one another. And, and that just so happened to be the, the timing of the entry point of God. There were people that were anticipating 
the Christ to come. There were there had been 400 years of silence between the intertestimonial period, between the Old Testament and New Testament. They hadn't heard anything from God. There had not been a, 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 a comment, a, a, a leading. There was just a, a silence. But people were hungry. They were anticipating God to come because Rome was gaining power during this time and they were becoming this great force. And, and the Jews were like, Oh, come, Lord Jesus, come. Send the Messiah. Now's the perfect time to take over, take charge, and, and, and go over this Roman Empire and, and, and bring the Jews to the front and center. And, and they anticipated a military leader to come and take over. So there was an anticipation, expectation. All of Scripture had led them to this understanding. And, and by this design, God had designed this time right then. And, and, and it wasn't only that it was the fullness of time, but we have to recognize that Paul says, man, looking back, I can see it. It was the fullness of time when Jesus came. Not only the fullness of time, but God sent forth his Son. So I want you to see, God, Christ didn't just come on his own accord, own initiative. He came upon the sending, the being sent by his Father, God the Father. And I've been in circles before where people debated, is the Trinity really true? I mean, you know, because I, I can't understand it. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I can't, I can't, can't, can't grasp that. Maybe God's just one. And, and we see God as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so point that out in Scripture. Where's the Trinity? Well, I just want you to see something, folks. It's right there before us. Verse 4 says, God sent forth His Son. That would be Jesus, born of a woman, a virgin-born child. That's Jesus, the Messiah. God sent Jesus. And, and then if we continue to read in, uh, in, in verse 6, it says, Because your sons, talking about us, God has sent forth his, or the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So we've got God the Father sending God the Son into our hearts to dwell with us, God the Holy Spirit. <laughs> right there in that text. Isn't that cool? So we've got all of this, this testimony of, of the heavens of God the Father Sending God the Son. God the Son didn't come on His own initiative. He came because He was sent by God. It was a, it was a perfect timing. It was, a, it was intentional that He was sent. And He didn't come in, in this the way that I might would have thought. You know, I, I think about God. Go back to that thought. The Creator of the universe. I never would have, I would never would have written it that way. That God the Son stepped into humanity in the form of a baby. Really? Nine months in the womb? Okay, all this happened. A baby, and he grew for 30 years, and nobody really, even though Mary and Joseph, we talked about this in Sunday school this morning, even though Mary and Joseph said, this is the holy child, and they're like, yeah, right. You know, because think about that. Think about the ridicule they had to put up with. This unwed woman who's engaged gets pregnant. What an easy way to say, well, this is the Messiah. This is the... The virgin birth, this is it, you know, yeah, right, come on now, tell me the truth, I can handle it. That's what, y'all don't believe that that's what people would, y'all with me? People would have thought that. That they wouldn't have believed that Mary was going to have a child and she was a virgin. They, they'd have thought that Mary and Joseph had been in a, in, inappropriately enga- involved in their engagement and a child came. And for 30 years they would not know fully that he was the son of man because it was then before he started his earthly ministry and the miracles came. And, and you know, even at that, the three years of ministry that Jesus did in his earthly ministry, how many, how many people witnessed what he did and still didn't believe him? There were so many that they put him on a cross and killed him. 
They they disbelieved that he was the Son of God. They, They put him on the cross because he had said that he was God's Son. So there was so much disbelief. But in the appropriate time, at the right time, in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son. This was the Son of God being sent forth. He didn't come in this way that I would think He just, I mean, we understand Revelation coming in. My picture in my mind goes to riding on a white horse, you know, uh, swinging some big stick. You know, here I am. I'm coming in. I'm king. Kind of, you know, come in very kingly. He came in as a child. And we see that. And when we see that he came in because he was sent by God. This was God's plan. And he was born of a woman. So he was born as a child and, and he grew. And uh, he grew how? Under the law. He was born under the law. And that's so important for us to understand because Christ, the child, came under the law. And all of us were under the law. And, and all of those in past were under the law. That The law was present. Why? Why was the law ever written? You know, if, when I'm riding down the road and I'm traveling place to place, there's a speed limit sign. Why, why is that there? Because I've got a heavy foot. And I'd probably just wide, wide open, you know, come on, let's go. Just as fast as I could. I'd be that guy you'd hate on the road. But, but because there's a speed limit, I know what my limit is. I know where I'm, where I'm supposed to drive, okay? Y'all, all y'all with me today? Okay, so I've got the speed limit there. And, and the law was given so that we would know what the limits are. The law was given by God so that we would know what sin is. We'd know when we fail. And we'd know what that sin is. We, we'd understand that there is sin. And, and we would see that be a, a measuring stick for our life. And all of us have failed at the law. And everybody who's ever lived has failed at the law. Except for Jesus. He was born under the law. He lived in fully to fulfill the law and never broke the law. He is the only sinless person ever born. So we got Jesus, the sinless son of God, who was sent by God, born of a woman, born under the law. What for? So he could redeem those of us who are under the law. And, and not be as children, not be as slaves under the bondage of sin, but be freed. So we've got, we've got the full revelation coming to us from this text saying, you know, he was born at the appropriate time. That there was a, the right time for him to be born. And then we see that Christ came for the right reason. He came to die. Now, I know Christmas time is not a time we talk a lot about death. Uh, Christ dying, we talk about Christ's birth. And it's exciting for us to talk about the birth of Christ. But the birth of Christ was to live on this earth so that he could die for us. So in Christ's life, he did not save us. He, He lived a perfect life, but his life does not save us. His death and the shed blood of Christ on a cross at Calvary atones for my sin and your sin. You know, in, in our humanity, we try to fix up our mess-ups. We try to cover our sin. We can't cover our sin. It, it didn't just start with you. You weren't the first one to try to cover your sin. Let me, let me back up two steps. Have you ever tried to cover your sin? Yes, you have. All of us have. Adam and Eve tried to cover their sin in the garden, didn't they? They, both, they got them some fig leaves and tried to sew them together. Now, what a silly thought. They had never seen anything die, though. See, they'd always seen those fig leaves live. That death didn't come till sin entered. And when they took those fig leaves, they tried to make themselves some coverings. 
We know what happens to leaves when they die. They get dried up and, oh man, how itchy would that be? They couldn't make themselves a covering, but God did. See, God took an animal, and in the Garden of Eden, He slayed an animal. The first animal, the first sacrifice for sin, blood was shed, and skins were given to cover them. So we see that blood sacrifice where they tried to cover their sin, they could not, but God covered their sin. And that culminates on a cross at Calvary where God covered your sin. You can't cover your sin, but God did. He came in the fullness of time for the right reason to cover our sin, to redeem us from being condemned by the law. He came to redeem us. He came to make a difference in our life. What, a, what an amazing Christ we have. His life modeled for us how we should live and how we can live when we live under His power and under surrender to Him. And, and we understand that Christ suffered all the things that you and I are capable of suffering on this earth. He, he suffered that. He was born under the law to redeem us from the law. And, and he, He's a son. And to be a son is to be under grace. And you and I can be sons through adoption. We can be children of the King. Uh, we can be no longer in bondage to sin and slavery of the law. We can be redeemed by God. So we, we gain uh, sonship. We gain an, an, as to be heirs, if you continue to read this. We, we have within our heart the, the, the heart's cry of Abba, Father, because we're, we're sons of God. And, and, and we have that spirit that lives within us. And, and we're no longer a slave, but we're a son. And, and if a son, then we're an heir of God. We, we inherit eternally. We inherit the kingdom. We, we're joint heirs with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's what we have to look forward to. You say, well, that's beyond my imagination. I, I can't comprehend all that. Good. I can't either, but I know that he said it, and everything he said has come to pass. Uh, I, was, I was telling you all last week, I, I, I won't, won't get over that anytime soon. I, I was reading through a lady's Bible. She had passed away, and, and I took her Bible to, to preach her, her, her funeral service. And, and everywhere in the Bible, in, almost, in every book I turned to, I found only one thing underlined in her entire Bible. It was the one phrase that said this, and it came to pass, and it came to pass, and it came to pass. And preceding that, and it came to pass, was a promise of God. And all the promises of God come to pass. So we, we see that it came to pass, and, and Jesus came for the right reason at the right time to, to buy us back, to redeem us to himself. And we see in, in Romans chapter 5, that we have a greater understanding of this. Verse 6, I'll throw it on the screen for you. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 says, While we were still helpless, helpless, ladies and gentlemen, we were helpless at the right time Christ died for us. He died for the ungodly. The reason there is, why were you helpless? Because you can't save yourself. You can't cover your sin. But Christ can cover your sin. Christ died for us. At the right time, he did that. And, and verse 8 tells us a little bit more about that. It says there in verse 8, says, But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, not, not when we got it all right, but while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, when Christ went to the cross at Calvary, he knew, because he's an all-knowing God, he knew everything that you and I would do that would disrespect him. Try to dethrone him, but he can't be dethroned. That we would live lives in opposition to his will for us. 
We would live in disobedience to Him. We, we would not be perfect kids, but the King said, they're my kids. So He went to the cross and He died for you and He died for me because of His great love for us. In that while we were yet sinners, that Scripture says Christ died for us. Wow. In the right time, in the right time in history, God stepped in. He broke into humanity as a baby. Lived a life for you. A perfect life. Under the law, fulfilling the law, and went to a cross and died for you. Knowing you wouldn't be perfect. Knowing you couldn't get it right. He did for you what only He could do for you. That was to die for you. And offer... The greatest gift that would ever be known by anybody, He offered salvation to you and me because of His great love for us. What an amazing God. He displayed that love for us in, in the willingness to come to the earth. and He displayed that love for us that, that He would die for us even in our sinful state. And Christmas is truly about this. It's about that ultimate gift that was given on a tree at Calvary. To redeem me and you in our sin. Wow, what an amazing gift. So we see at the right time, God came. God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem us. Christ did that. The right time for the right reason. And, and you know, if we, if we see that there was a right time and there was a right reason for then, we've got to understand... There's, there's going to be a right return. We're going to get, we're going to, get to see Jesus again. He, he's coming back. See, he, here's the unfulfilled promise as we sit here today. Christ said, I will return. And, and if he said he will return, he's going to come back. He, he's going to come back for us. So I, I just want to read through some, some scripture for you this morning as we, we recognize that, that Christ entered the world. He, he, he entered this world very miraculously. He, he left this world very miraculously, and he's coming back. And, and I want you to see what Acts chapter 1 tells us. If we, if we look at Acts chapter 1, verse 9, the text tells us this. And after he'd said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. There it is right there. The angels of the Lord stood by the people of the Lord who were witnessing the risen Savior, Jesus, who was sent in a timely fashion for the right reason to redeem people on a cross at Calvary, had been resurrected, and he was standing in the presence of people. And as he was standing talking to them, God ascended into heaven, bodily, physically, and literally, I'm talking about right before their eyes, Jesus ascended into heaven. And this cloud received him. And these guys were sitting there saying, oh my gosh, what have we seen? What, what's going, where are you going, Jesus? Hey, 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 come back. I mean, can't you see the scene? And, and here, here as that's occurring, these angels say, hey, 
it's okay. Why, why are you gazing? Don't gaze in the sky. There's some things you need to go do. Remember, he told you Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20. We record it with numbers. Jesus had said it verbally in their hearing. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I'm the greatest. I've got all authority. I'm King Jesus. I'm king. I'm not a prince. I'm king. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and, lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm going to be with you. You go. So they've, they've heard the words of Jesus, and they t- he said, where do we go? Well, you go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most par- parts of the earth. You, you're going to go everywhere. We've got this good highway system now. We've got some peace in Rome. You've got a place to go, and you're going to go share the gospel around the world. And just as God faithfully sent his son into this world, just as he obediently came to this earth, so that he could save us, God in the flesh sent us into the world so that we could go preach salvation to the world. And we're called to do that, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a, it's not a request. It was a command. So they were gazing into the sky like, oh, goodness, there went our leader. And Jesus had told them, don't you worry, when I leave here, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you without a testimony. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit of God, me, in spirit forms, going to come and reside with you. Because he took a vine. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, I'll abide in you. I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to leave you. Go share the gospel. Do do what I've called you to do. And and, and you know what? That's not the end of it, folks. Don't forget what I told you in John 14. Verse 1 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas says, I don't know where you're going. How do we get there? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we know where we're going. We know we're on, we're on a journey. And, and we're, we're to go do what God's called us to do. Just as faithfully God sent Jesus into humanity to redeem us with the gospel news, the message, and we've been sent to go to and share that gospel message Just as faithfully as God rose and went into heaven, he's going to come back again. And he's going to enter back into our lives. And and we don't know when. Uh, If we continue looking in Acts, Acts chapter 1 verse 7 tells us this. He said to them, this is Jesus speaking, It is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, God has the authority to fix that time when he's going to return. I'm not going to know it. You're not going to know it either. I, w- I want to tell you, if somebody says Jesus is coming back in 2020, and he tell, they tell you what day he's coming on, you're pretty safe that day. He's probably not coming back that day. But it's when, it's when you don't know it. And, and here's the thing. Ladies and gentlemen, no one should be caught by surprise that he's coming because he said he would, he would come into this world through a virgin in the town of Bethlehem. 
we got Isaiah that tells us that. We've got other prophecies of Scripture, all of Scripture, beginning in Genesis chapter 3, at the first sin. From that moment on, all of Scripture prophesied the coming king. And guess what? He came. And he did what was prophesied that he would do. He died on a cross at Calvary to save men and women from their sin. And he's done that. And he says, I'm coming back, and he's going to come back for me and you. And, and we won't know when, but here, here's what you don't want to be caught in not having a relationship with him the greatest gift of all of mankind is beyond mankind it's jesus coming into your life in my life he is he's offered us a relationship an eternal relationship with him he has invited you he's invited me he's he's offered us this free gift he says for the wage of sin the cost of sin romans 623 the wage of sin is death so we know there's a cost to sin i sin death i sin bad things happen yes but the free gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord so we got a cost of sin but we've got a free gift now that that how do we get that free gift how do we open the greatest gift known to humanity Surrender our life to Jesus. Scripture also tells us, For all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. By faith we are saved by grace. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus and Him alone. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 tell us that it's not by works of our own. We can't save ourselves, but we're saved by grace through faith in Christ. So when I have faith that Christ can save me from the sin that I've committed, He can forgive that sin, He can change and transform my life, and I surrender my life to Jesus in that moment, I'm saved. And you know what? I'm not going to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect. But I'm going to be living for the one who is. And I'm going to be learning by the one who is. And my life's going to be yielded and surrendered daily to him. And I want to look more and more like my daddy every day. King Jesus loves us. He's offered us the greatest gift that we could ever know. There's no better gift. And of the giver, the greatest giver of all time is Jesus. Now, we'll all experience a lot of giving over the next few days, and it's okay for us to give gifts. But every good gift comes from the Father above. He's, he's taught us about giving. We should be better givers. You and I should be better givers because we know Jesus, the best giver of all. He's given the greatest gift, therefore we should, we should model giving. But I'll tell you, the greatest thing you can give is not something you buy. The greatest gift you can give is the hope of eternal life and the understanding of the gospel to folks you love and know. What an amazing opportunity that we have for joy, peace, and happiness. But it doesn't come apart from knowing Christ. True joy doesn't come. It, 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 Galatians tells us, I want to read one more pass, one more verse of Scripture from Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. If you just flip over a page or two in your Bible, tells us then, let, not, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. You know, things uh, grew and es escalated to the entry point of Jesus coming to humanity. He's coming again. Let us not grow weary. But let us all be found ready for his return.
He came at the right time. He came for the right reason. And He will return at the right time for the right reason. And the reason will be to claim the church. And who's the church? You're the church. We'll go live with Jesus eternally. And your mind may have a hard time wrapping around all of that. It's okay. Everybody's does. Because we don't feel worthy. We don't feel like that should be uh, what should happen in our life. We, we probably feel like we're less than because we know us. But He knows us too. And a loving Heavenly Father looked down in your messed up life and mine and our brokenness. He said, I want to redeem you. I want to, I want to bring life to you more abundantly. But it starts in relationship with me. Not in religion. You can have all the religion in the world and miss Jesus. But it's about a relationship. My heart, your heart, surrendered to the King. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the time we've had in your presence this morning in your word. Father, as we now turn to a time of uh, invitation where we are invited by you to respond to your word. You, you've laid it out for us, Lord. You want a relationship with us. You, at the right time, you stepped into humanity for the right reason to redeem us, and you're going to return. So, God, let us be ready for your return. And the way we get ready is to get real with you right now. So, Lord, move in our hearts. And let us respond in faith to your call on our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, we're going to have a time of invitation this morning. If you will, stand with me. These altars are here. They look like stairs, but they're just here for you. It's a place where you can move physically, literally, publicly. And you can go and pray for somebody that you're concerned about or pray for yourself. Lay something before the Lord. You can come talk to us. If you've made a decision and you want to have Jesus as Lord of your life today, we want, we'd love to share with you. That is the best news that could be told to us today. All of heaven rejoices. We want to rejoice with you. Whatever you're moving in your mind and heart right now towards a decision in, let's move for Jesus. He moved for us. Let it be known. God's moving in your life. We're here for you. Mike and I are here. We're going to sing a song. And don't let the song be what captivates you, but let Christ captivate you this morning. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Thank you.
Let us pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your Son, Jesus. And Lord, all the blessings that you've so richly blessed us with, sometimes we forget that what you've blessed us with is eternal life and and peace and joy that only comes from you. Lord, during this season... Let us search our hearts, our minds, and our soul to uh, see the blessings that we have. And Lord, I know there's people in our church and there's people out there in the world that are hurting, but everybody's got something to be thankful for. And in this time, Lord, let us be thankful for all you've so richly blessed us with. As we come back to giving... Uh, let this tithe and offering go to bless your kingdom. And Lord, may it uh, overflow into the blessings of, uh, to see more people come to know Jesus, Lord. That's our ultimate goal. Lord, we ask you to bless the gift and the giver. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 